the most entertaining talk anywhere. Stay tuned to L.A. Talk Radio, your real talk station, your real 24 talk hours of commercial-free programming. Yeah, this is Eddie Cozell, and you listen to Sean Green on the Green Room. Wow! Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Log on to SeanTGreen.com and click the Amazon link to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Sherman Oaks, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live on latalkradio.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate it. We got an amazing show for you this evening. We got, man, we got a ton on the docket. Um, besides being sponsored by Amazon.com, we're also being brought to you today by LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom.com, the leader in self-help legal services. You log on to LegalZoom.com, you can get trademark wills, patents, all at 85% less than you'd expect to pay at a real attorney. And you're going to actually get an extra discount on that if you enter green in the checkout code. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, the announcer of the program, Logan Lystico. Logan, thanks for being on the show. Cowabunga, Sean. <laughs> All right. Great start. We got a uh, – man, we do have an amazing show later on in the show uh, towards the end of the program. So stay tuned to that. We have Christopher Coppola. He's going to be calling into the program. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with his last name. You might not know his first name, but he is – he is one of the famed Coppolas of the movie-making family, the Coppolas. He's the, he's the nephew of the renowned director Francis Ford Coppola, the cousin of Sofia Coppola, and, of course, the older brother of Nicolas Cage. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, besides that, we have a uh, in-studio guest. You know him from Schmo's Nose, the movie review show, and the 5 o'clock phone. He's on 95.5 KLOS. Like to welcome on Mark Ellis. Mark, thanks for being on the show, man. Cowabunga, Sean! In the spirit of the early <laughs> yeah. '90s Ninja Turtles, I'm gonna say this is bodacious so far. <laughs> well, you know, Logan. Tubular. That's Logan's little. Uh, that's Logan's little yes and. That's his little improv exercise every every episode. We come on like I like to give Logan a chance to breathe. You know, let it. Let it <laughs> that's my. That's, That's good. One thing. Stretch That's your, your wings. Yeah, we'll give them an exercise. So, so the Sean, neutrinos have come down from a different planet, <laughs> and they want to ride around and defeat the Shredder. Yep, yeah. you got it. Radical. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Mark. Now, Mark, you're originally from the Washington, D.C. area? Uh, I am. I grew up there. I was actually born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and then uh, we migrated all around the country. My old man was actually in the Air Force, so... Okay, uh, mine and, as well. And uh, in the Air Force? Yep. Very. They probably actually, hung out together. Too. You really? were? Yeah. <laughs> you were your, your dad or you were? My dad was. All of our dads were in the Air Force, yeah. and here we are on, talking I, about I Ninja Turtles on the radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on Veterans Day, very apt. Okay, so you uh, you moved around a little bit, but then you uh, spent most of your time growing up in the D.C. area. Uh, that's right, yeah. Huge uh, Washington Redskins fan. I'm, uh, so, I'm sorry to hear uh, that. How yeah. is... Uh, we, we got to the crux of the issue. I'm, of course, a uh, diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. We got rid of that broken-down uh, athlete known as Donovan McNabb. How is, how's Donovan McNabb working out for yeah, you? Yeah, that blue book value you guys talked about <laughs> last year, we're not really sure. Uh, we have the broken-down quarterback from Philly and the broken-down quarterback from Chicago, Rex right. Grossman, Tag competing. Team. When you you know things aren't going well when Rex Grossman's your savior in the two minute drill. Oh. Like oh don't worry we're gonna bring in Rex Grossman in the last two minutes he's gonna lead us to victory. What is going on as a Redskins fan? Have you have you already lost faith in Mike Shanahan? What is Mike Shanahan doing? Why is he benching McNabb in the last two minutes of a game that's obviously a very important game? Well there's a lot of issues. There's the cardiovascular endurance problem which <laughs> which had uh it held a little bit of water until they worked out a guy named Jamarcus Russell. Right. Later in the week. I mean, Which is the epitome of not having any cardio. He's out of the league because of his cardiovascular issues. Jamarcus Russell is a guy who is too fat to play quarterback, was insanely out of shape, and addicted to purple drink. Yeah. And that washed out of the league. He had this insane signing bonus. And it was so funny. I don't know if you watched. Like He's he's obviously trying to get back in the league. I think he realizes, like, oh, my God, I was a, I was a number one pick. What the hell was I thinking? He's back in the league, and the first question they ask, you know, they do that sit-down special, like, Jamarcus, what went wrong? <laughs> His response, I don't know. 
Is there anything you would do differently? No, I mean, you know, (laughs) he didn't have an answer. Why not just say work harder, try harder? Hey, if they were interviewing me and they asked me, Mark, what would you do differently than take $20 million from an owner, Al Davis, that may have passed away (laughs) 10 years ago? We're not sure. I would have said, you know what, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny because, yeah, I I think he's realizing he wouldn't do anything differently. He lived the dream. He got $30 million to sit around and drink Purple Drank and throw the ball wherever he wanted and suffered no consequences. And if I can make a point about Purple Drank, this is what Purple Drank is, kids. For for you suburb kids who haven't gone to the inner city and done the research, like me and Sean have. Exactly. uh, It is, I believe it's codeine syrup, right? And then you mix it with Sprite and Jolly Ranchers to kind of give it that extra kick. Which is pretty much what we drank when we were kids, when we stayed home sick from school. <laughs> right. Like you have cough syrup, right. <laughs> then your mom goes to work and you have soda and candy. Yes. That is what we had. Exactly. Th- yeah, that's the perfect formula. Or, uh, hey, mom, I'm having trouble falling asleep. <laughs> oh, take some Dimatap. Okay. <laughs> oh, that'll knock you out. Yeah, basically, all it is is extra strength Dimatap with a pack of Skittles. Oh, and let me tell you something. For all you Jamarcus Russell haters, I had like a IV of Dimatap whenever I got sick when <laughs> yes. I was a kid. I And I was a fat kid as a result. <laughs> I think I know now why he right. comes into camp 287 pounds. He's he's on You can't work out on that stuff. No. Oh, the great well, you, lo- you yeah. lose all your you're just sitting around listening to chopped and screwed remixes. You don't care about <laughs> you don't care about going in the weight room. I mean, you could think of like what would make you want to work out less. It would just be tons and tons of codeine <laughs> and greasy fried chicken. Yeah, it ain't it ain't grape knee high, all right? It's not going to get you into the gym. <laughs> All right, so you got the Washington Redskins. Although, yes. as much as I don't like the Redskins and as much as I, I'm, I'm <laughs> loving Michael Vick and the way they're turning around the season, honestly, if they win this game, they're 5-4. and four. The Eagles are back down to 5-4. and four. And who knows what the Giants. Yeah, and, so, and I'm, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to the Redskins. Half of me still believes that John Riggins is going to come back and play this weekend. And, you know, we are undefeated in the conference. Right. We beat the Cowboys, which turns out to not have been that maybe special. <laughs> it's impressive at the time. Which is nice. As NFC, as a fellow NFC Easter, we can bond over the fact that Dallas is 1-7 and seven and just fired their coach. Wade Phillips. I recently, I recently posted on my Facebook that I was ready to quit my day job and pursue my <laughs> dream of making a living betting against the Dallas Cowboys. Like, if you told me as a young kid, most guys grow up, oh, dream of being like, oh, I'm going to be a star quarterback. I was like, oh, I just want to figure out a, a betting formula that can I can somehow just bet against the Dallas Cowboys every game and win. Absolutely. The thing that killed all of our Air Force dads was betting against <laughs> Roger Staubach. And then, right. you know, I mean, I was the, the Redskins had that Thanksgiving game where Staubach goes out, another hapless quarterback comes in, and he still beats the Redskins. So now, finally... Yep. The tables yep. are turned. I still remember as a young kid just going to church and praying that a, a sniper bullet would find Troy Aikman's head in the playoffs. Like <laughs> that was I was a diehard fan. See, and, I uh, grew up in the Dallas area. Oh, did dreaming you? of being yeah, Troy Aikman hanging out with. So you're Emmett a Dallas Smith. fan, Logan. Oh yeah. We had a sniper in the grass right here. Did you <laughs> yeah. know this, Sean? I know. I wish I knew Logan back then. I could have got him to uh, take <laughs> well, out. Well, if him you and... need to take someone out, Dallas, uh, uh, rumor has it, is the place to do it. Um, growing okay. up, they were just going to Super Bowls and being awesome. Yeah, they look they look great. It was great. <laughs> they really they really had a great run. I'll <laughs> tell you this: there is not a better theme song to do coke and and hook up with hookers to than the Dallas TV show theme song. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you play that and you, I can see Michael Irvin like a mink coat playing <laughs> oh, yeah. that remix disco eyes, and that'd be pretty sweet. All right. So we got that Monday night coming up. Mm-hmm. Now, let's uh, I think it's important to tackle social issues. We got no little uh, little sports. I, I love talking sports, but, you know, we're, we're here to make a change. We talk some social <laughs> issues here. Actually, it's more just mocking people or trying to make a change. <laughs> I think that's a better, a better description. This is. You know, I'm tired of being bullied, and I'm tired of being bullied by being told that there's too much bullying going on. I don't know how you guys grew up, but I grew up being bullied. Bullies were a part of our lives, and now you got it, it's just this mad rush against bullying. This is uh, Madonna on the Ellen Show chiming in. She's describing the discussions she has with her little uh, daughter. <laughs> God damn it. We talk a lot about the importance of not judging people who are different, not judging people who don't fit into our, you know, accepted um, view of what's cool and what isn't. Good start. Um, yeah, that's and you can't even You can't even judge not really, cool just, people you know, anymore? 
Was that it? Did she derail no, right no, after sorry. that? Yeah. Did they pull, they're like, guys, this is then going she south. she just started, she pulled a dildo out and started. They got an itchy sensor. It's like, I think there's a Holocaust thing coming up here, so I'm going to go oh, ahead yeah, and pull no, the plug. No, 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 hold on. The, 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 the concept that, that, that we are torturing teenagers because they're gay, it, it's, it's kind of, like I said earlier, it's unfathomable. It's like lynching black people. <laughs> wow. Whoa, that's Here it comes. That different. is the perfect analogy. Oh. Teasing people is exactly the same as lynching them. <laughs> Apt oh. analogy, Madonna. Exterminating Jews. I mean, wow. Oh. Oh. Wow. I sound like I'm going on a, on a I rampage. didn't think she could she went, take it farther. She went I was like, extreme, whoa, she said the extreme. She went for the extreme metaphor cycle. Wouldn't you love to be in the meeting room <laughs> and, with all the monkeys in her brain? Like, they're talking about oh. what should we say next? And one of them raised their hand like, Madonna, I really don't think we that's, should go to the Holocaust. Cost. I really don't think. And he got voted down so hard. That honestly made <sighs> me feel way less bad for gay people. No, here's the thing, guys. We all know how the Holocaust happened. There were six million Jews. They were hanging out in high school. They got picked on. They decided to, to kill themselves. I mean, that's the best analogy. Yeah. Uh, we actually got a, uh, a caller on, a, uh, a former bully. I don't know if he's totally, totally changed his life. Is this uh, Steve? Yes, I'm here. Hey, what's going on? I, I thought it would be uh, – I, I had you call in. I thought it would be important to uh, talk to a, uh, a former bully. Now, are, are you an admitted bully? Is that a fair description of how you treated people in high school? That's pretty accurate. <laughs> now, now I'm not just, completely out of the game, though. I still do a little bullying here and there. Did, now, you, ca- did you call anybody a butthead ever? Butthead, yeah, that's probably about the least of the things I've done. Wow. Now describe describe a, a normal week of bullying, Steve, or describe some of your bullying activities, being in high school, and how you would pick on people. Uh, well, I mean, I'd usually definitely pick on physical appearances, um, people that hadn't been in the sun enough, or you know, the, the emos as they're called now. Back then, we just called them freaks. <laughs> uh, shove people in the you know locker. I'd throw people into the fountain if I could. <laughs> Try to get them all wet for class. Steve, it seems like you have all the tools of a great boy. I mean, you're not yeah. like a one-dimensional kind of – you don't have one target demographic that you go after. You seem to spread your wings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hit all angles. I mean, actually, they call that cyberbullying now. I was doing that before it even had a name. <laughs> yes, I remember back in high school we set up a message board, me and my other uh, nerdy computer friends, and uh, Steve was the first guy to go on the message board and just started making fun of everyone, uh, everyone that was possibly, you know, just outing people, uh, calling. Steve, describe some of your cyberbullying. I mean, he was cyberbullying with the dial-up modem. He was. This man is ahead of his time. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I would create names that were obvious, obvious, uh, making fun of people. I mean, I had, for for instance, I had Pat K is gay. <laughs> Uh, that was that was your screen that. name. That was your screen name, right? Yeah, that was one of the screen names I created. Uh, I believe one of the names I used on the message board was Turk Killer. Wow, <laughs> there was a Turkish yeah. kid. Now, now, Steve, uh, <laughs> that was a Turkish kid. Now, describe uh, d- describe how Columbine affected you, because I think we we're in high school, and when Columbine happened, did that did that change any of your bullying ways? Did that change how you approached people? It scared me a little bit, uh, but I mean, I, I didn't think I really backed off at all. I think I, I kept at it if I didn't pick up a little more. I mean, I, was, I wasn't gonna back down. Now I didn't really think I didn't really think any of the kids that I picked on had the guts for it. I mean, I, I gotta say, Timmy had to be the main target, and I really just didn't see Timmy bringing a weapon in. Okay, now now um, describe. Now, what was your reasoning um, to bully? Was it how people describe it, that you felt sad inside or you were scared of things? Describe what made you want to bully these other kids. I think that's all, that's all false. I think the number one reason you become a bully is because you were bullied to begin with. I, I owe all my bullying to, to, my, uh, to my, my great friend who lived up the street from me, Tom Kramer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you said, so you got bullied as a kid, and now when you got older and bigger, you decided it was revenge, and you decided to bully on other kids? Exactly. I mean, Tom, I mean, I remember going to the bus stop together. He would, you know, twist up my backpack or, you know, pull the zipper open and drop all my books or, you know, give me the dead leg while we were getting on the bus. (laughs) You know, so then I had to go and turn, and I had to release my rage on people. So then, you know, I I was breaking kids' ceramic projects and, you know, 
Now, did popping you... their balloons on their birthday and whatnot. That's impressive. <laughs> I mean, most kids would just run home and cry and just blog about it, but you, you, you kind of like, okay, that hurt, but now I'm going to store that information and use it on against somebody else, kind of paint it forward, except the complete opposite. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Paint it forward. I like that. <laughs> now, now, Steve, was there ever a, a highlight, if, uh, if you could call it that, or perhaps a low light if you're anti-bullying? Was there ever a moment when you're like, this is... This is why I got into bullying. This is what makes me feel good about putting others down. Is there is there a specific moment where you realized, hey, I'm a bully. It's awesome. What's your helmet catch of bullying is what we <laughs> yes. want to know. <laughs> I got to go back to uh, back to Timmy. I think in maybe about eighth grade, uh, I was in art class, and I mean, I I just I picked up his his ceramic project, and I mean, I just blasted it right to the floor. And I mean, the art Ooh. teacher definitely saw me do it. And Timmy freaked out, and he was complaining, saying he's going to write me up and everything. And the art teacher, she just took my side. She told him, you know, quit complaining, you know, be quiet. And she she took my side. I just thought, hey, bullying is cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Was the art teacher named Tim Kramer by any chance? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Now, now, Steve, um, you grew up bullying. You, you, you made a living out of uh, picking on kids. Did that affect your career choice? Do you think uh, that made you who the man you are? What are you doing now? And do you think uh, bullying affected uh, what you decided to do for a living? Uh, interestingly enough, I am a teacher now. So, <laughs> oh I mean, goodness! She's a bully. I, it kind of went full circle. <laughs> Now, I mean, you, maybe a little, maybe a little bit of me got into this business so that I could maybe set kids straight. I don't know. Now, are you, are you a real like? Do you teach like at a educational facility, or do you teach bullying at like the learning annex, <laughs> like a three week course? Uh, I, I teach, I teach at an elementary school. I teach phys ed, but I do have an after school bullying activity. <laughs> now, Steve, in all seriousness, as a former bully, what do you do when you see kids in your gym class getting bullied? Do you look at that and go? Hey, that's not right. Or, oh man, I do you do you pull them aside? Do you explain them that bullying's wrong? Do you tell them bullying's funny? How, what do you tell kids when they're bullied and when they're uh, doing the bullying themselves? Well, I mean, I I, I think I kind of go with the view that that art teacher had. I mean, a lot of times the kids getting picked <laughs> on. I mean, they are kind of nerdy, and then I kind of pull them aside and I tell them. I say, hey, listen, if you're going to give these guys a reaction, they're going to keep picking on you. So I got to tell them, I gotta, you know, suck it up. Don't be sitting here crying and pouting. You just got to get back up and, and forget about it. And then the kids that are doing the picking on, sometimes they're pretty cool kids. And I just say, hey, <laughs> you know, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I said, you know, you can't be taking on, you know, picking on these easy targets. But I said, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. But, you know. I mean, I don't really get him in trouble or nothing. I mean, I see a little bit of me, you know. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I get it. I get it. You're you're the cool gym teacher. Um, yeah. so, so how is how is teaching gym going for you? Oh, it's fantastic. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. Now I know that I know there's the old adage of those who can't do teach and those who can't teach teach gym. Do you feel like that's true? <laughs> Does that apply to you, Steve? Uh, not necessarily. But I mean, I, 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 it's funny you said that. Actually, a fourth grader said that to me yesterday. No lie. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a bully. Uh, that, that sounds uh -oh. like, that sounds like a prospect. Yeah, well, she she yesterday was report card day, so I dropped her down a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, She's well, uh, all right, well, Steve, thanks for calling in. Is there any message you can give out there to uh, to bullies across America and to people getting bullied? Just one one blanket statement for bullying in the country right now. It separates. It separates. You know, the weak from the strong. We got to do. We got to weed out the weak people. Keep it up. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Steve, for calling in. He was a uh, uh, former bully. It sounds like he's. Uh... Thanks for having me. Okay. Hey, I just want to challenge all those bullies out there to step it up and get creative. Let's see what else <laughs> we can come up with. All right. I don't know if that's the greatest message, but I feel like as the talk show host, I gotta kind of take the. I, I, someone's got to take the counter argument of this overreaction of, okay, yeah, obviously it's it's not a great idea to pick on people, but I think there's a certain arrogance in coming out and saying, oh, hey, okay, everyone's yeah. bullying. Oh, let let old Madonna come in here and solve a, cri a thing that's been going on for years at a time. Okay, I understand I understand saying, oh, suicide's bad. Yeah, where, where have you been? There's plenty of teens who kill themselves. And it doesn't involve gay bullying. It's just so weird that I just feel like the media is just picking up this one thing 
they're like, oh, okay, gay teens are 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 uh, committing suicide because of bullying. Okay, let's let's make this the issue. When the reality is, yeah, teens shouldn't be killing themselves regardless. And you should, you know, you should just tell them, yeah, feel better about yourself and and don't be so, um, yeah, don't take the bullying so seriously. And when you're on the level that Steve's talking about too, when you're when you're bull- bullying, physical bullying, I really don't have a huge problem with because that it, it, it's like starting out in stand up. Like you need to bomb a lot on stage before right. you get really good. Like it does build you up you know yeah. i mean it's like my old man said it builds character it, it really does build character and you know i mean i feel bad for the kids like i'm sure we all went through some sort of bullying you know but, exactly and and then and then you have a guy like uh like steve who really got in front of the bullying <laughs> technology because yeah. he got online i message boards were created so that nerds could blog to each other about hey yeah bullying sucks like this was like in the late 90s that's when that's before bullies knew how to log on so right. Steve figures it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Everyone, I'm sure back when the Native Americans invented smoke signals, there was one bully that figured out how to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And that's what the, so that's the problem is that bullies have too much technology now. Like YouTube, <laughs> right. it's too easy has... for bullies. You guys have to get creative. They have too many outlets. They're mm-hmm. all they're all connected. I mean, imagine a bully having Wi-Fi. It's too, you know, you got the cell phone with the internet. They basically imagine a bully back when we were kids walking around with a device that can humiliate you constantly at any moment. <laughs> oh, it's scary. But you know what the good thing about it is though is that nerds like back in back when we were kids and right. the bigger kid beats you up you really can't do a lot about that but if somebody put, puts a video view up on youtube guess what that bully has a lot of problems too exactly. okay yeah sneak in you're and a nerd you know how cheap. to do it. get yeah get get some camouflage photoshop right. yeah photoshop some stuff hey your bu- your bully's giving you a problem Photoshop some gay pornography onto a picture of him and send oh, it man. to everyone. You guys have so much. Yeah, we're we're underestimating the anti-bullying technology that is out there to kids. You can make song parodies yeah. humiliating the guy. Yeah, uh, Photoshop is a great venue. You can create fake screen names and you can create a fake Facebook profile and totally hit on all the chicks in high school and say it's the bully. I mean. You see, beat you use your skill set. You're technologically advanced. Whenever you watch a heist movie, the tech guy is always the key to everything. Die right. Hard would not have happened if they didn't have that black guy who knew how to break into the vault. None of the rest of the stuff would have happened. Exactly. If you're getting bullied, you're probably a nerd, and if you're probably a nerd, <laughs> you're probably good at computers and you know a way around it. So what? Yeah, I love that we assume that, 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 that yeah, that there are kids out there that are getting bullied that don't know how to get online. Right. So, you see, kids, you kids are screwed. Pick up a rake or a pickaxe and just do. Do your best. Well, there was this. He was talking about how it kind of just builds you as, as a stronger person. We had this kid in uh, shop class who was just this really weird-looking kid. Mm-hmm. He had a very strange haircut, <laughs> coke bottle glasses. But anytime you picked on him at all, if you would just be like, "Hey, Edwin," he would just be like, "What? What do you want? Leave me alone!" And it's like if you freak out like that anytime someone talks to you of course you're gonna get picked on you gotta until know it's coming learn, yeah and until it, you learn that lesson you're gonna get picked on yeah and 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 if you're it's if it's that advanced of a situation go home and just write music because you will be <laughs> yeah. exactly or at learn, least have a nice job at hot topic waiting for you learn how to play the guitar spend all your time alone <laughs> learning the guitar eventually you'll be able to impress chicks in your cover band in your mid to early 20s and you'll have a uh, you'll have a great time all right, we actually uh, we got another call coming in here. I think it's uh, well, another boy. Yeah. Well, no, I I felt like uh, maybe we should hear the other side to this. Oh, okay. Is this uh, Katie? Yeah, this is Katie. Is this Sean? Yeah, Katie. Uh, thanks for calling Hi. into the program. This is Katie uh, Huron. Is that? Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's Huron, but close enough. Okay. Well, um. Makes fun of her last name, Sean. <laughs> Sorry. Now, quickly uh, describe your credentials in psychology. Sure. I just uh, graduated with a master's in clinical psychology, and I spent the last year in addiction medicine, and I do some life coaching and stuff on the side. And I also have uh, personal experience with bullying, so uh, it's a topic close to my heart. Okay. Now, um, were you able to hear uh, some of the stuff that Steve said? Yeah, I was. I was. Okay. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to hold the same side. Um, I think that what I think bullying is really destructive, and I think the point I would make is that there's a really big difference between making fun of someone and kind of joking around, especially amongst friends and things like that. You know, a little bit of teasing and actual harassment. Okay. And I think um, with a lot of these kids, they get into actual harassment, which is um, really detrimental to somebody's soul and spirit and kind of how they view life. Okay, now what would you say would be the difference between, 
you know, you're a young kid. How do you tell the difference between, okay, I'm watching guys busting chaps versus, okay, I'm uh, seeing harassing, harassment going on? Well, I mean, I, I guess one way would be, you know, it's one thing if you're amongst friends. If you're, you're amongst your friends and it's sort of a social thing you all do um, with one another and it feels, everyone thinks it feels comfortable and it's sort of, you know how guys are, they joke around, that kind of a thing. I guess that would be something very different than singling out somebody who's not part of your group and attacking them based on physical appearance or, um, you know, ethnicity or religious beliefs, et cetera. And so, you know, it, you know, the recent attacks on, on people who are gay, I mean, that's really a different thing than saying, you know, I teased a friend of mine because, you know, he couldn't make that basket. You know what I mean? Right. Um, now, so were you ever bullied yourself? I was, yeah. I was, I was bullied um, for many years, um, going from middle school into high school, actually. Okay. And it had a big, it had a big impact on my life. Um, I think it was one of those things that, um, you know, bullying can lead to depression and anxiety, both things um, that I've experienced, and it can lead to an internalizing of, of sort of the I'm not okay or I'm not good enough. Um, and it can really, it can really hurt somebody. I, I completely agree with that. Now, uh, my question to you, Kate, would be, and believe me, as a comic, we go through anxiety and depression a lot. Yeah. Um, what yeah, do you think true. about Madonna's comments? I mean, she clearly can't tell the difference between bullying and hate crimes and genocide. Do you do you think it's do you think it's even it even helps the cause when she goes on TV and says something like that? Wow, um, Madonna. I, you know, I think the remark was obviously. Um, I mean, it, it was a, it was a. <laughs> yeah, it was a little tough. Oh, you, don't, yeah. you don't have to <laughs> feel free to bully Madonna. She probably is going to be able to get over this. Now, um, we but actually. You know, but you know, honestly, I think I think stars um, of her stature, they do need to speak up for some of these issues because that's how the word gets out, you know. And and unfortunately, especially with kids who are you know school aged, they listen to those people and they. They see the media, and so if if enough people can start to stand up to the people who are the bullies and say, you know what, actually that's not cool, and we're not going to go along with it, then that might be a catalyst for change. Okay, now we actually have uh, – Steve, are you there? I'm here. Okay, now, um, Katie, is there anything that you'd like to say to Steve? And, and Steve, is there any anything that – now that you hear kind of what you may have put people through, is there anything that you – maybe you want to change your stance? Um. No, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand solid here on my ground. Katie, do you have anything to, to suggest to Steve that maybe, uh, you know, you could get him to change his mind or maybe you see some psychological behavior going on that you could recommend him changing? Well, you know, I'm not I'm not here to change anyone's mind because that, that needs to come from somebody, you know, looking at what they do and seeing if that's going to work for them or not. I think in terms of, you know, Steve, there's a couple of things I did agree with, you know. Um, you agreed with smashing Timmy's he, art project? It was a pretty well, bad, it was a pretty bad well, ceramic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, he, he said he learned that that behavior um, from somebody else. And I do think bullying can be, you know, a learned behavior. But also... Um, Generally, if someone's bullying, either it's, it's they're either feeling inflated or deflated. So, in other words, which is basically two sides of the same coin. So, in other words, they're they're feeling full of themselves, and they have to um, they have to sort of dominate, and there's a need for control, or else they don't feel good about themselves. They're not. Steve, Steve did they bullying need to hurt others to feel better, right? Steve, and did, there's not a connection to sort of a strong center. Steve, did bullying make you feel better in high school? I wouldn't say it made me feel better or worse. I just thought it was kind of funny. Now, what do you, um, what do you, what do you respond, Katie, as far as people who are just doing it as a joke and don't necessarily realize that they're doing the damage they're doing? Well, okay. Well, I think I think that's the problem right there is that it's just not people are not conscious, and so and especially in children, you know, there a lot of them are not going to be able to connect the fact that wow, I'm having a hard time at home, or I'm doing this because other people are laughing, and so I get a sense of belonging to a group, and there's popularity happening for me. Um, they, they don't connect those things because they're still figuring out who they are. Um, so I think the way we raise consciousness is through putting the message out there that it's not it's not an okay thing to do. And and one area I guess I would tell you, Steve, that I think is really important um, 
for you to not continue in is for you to be telling kids um, (laughs) not to let the bullies see them react because that's what they want. Because I can tell you from personal experience, I spent many, many years not showing anybody what I was feeling. And, you know, everything's fine. I'm totally okay. And, you know, and I was, um, I had addiction problems. I had an eating disorder for many, many years that I'm, thank God, in recovery from. But I almost lost my life. And I'm not saying that. Um, the only reason was because of the bullying and because I felt badly, but it was a big part of it. it now, really Steve, does that does hearing this uh, make you want to change your approach on how to deal with bullies in the classroom at all? Well, so, I mean, am I, should I encourage these kids to show their, you know, their full emotions? I mean, having a kid sit there and cry, you don't think that the bully is going to attack them worse? I mean, I feel like that's going to completely escalate the situation. It's going to be terrible for everybody. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I guess I guess if it were me, what I, the best thing you can do for for any person that you're with is just to relate to them. So to to, to acknowledge where they're at, to acknowledge whatever it is that they're feeling, and to ask if there's anything that you can do. I think that's always helpful. Um, and then I, I also think talking to whoever is doing the bullying, you know, when there's not a group around, taking them aside and saying, look, this is not acceptable behavior and it won't be tolerated. I mean, it's, you know, I, I would stand up for that because you don't know how, how what that person is saying is affecting and damaging that child. Because right. their self-confidence has not been established, and it's at a time in their lives when they're very, um, you know, you care what your friends think and you're figuring out who you are. So that's what that's how I would handle it. All right. Well, so Katie, do you, that, do you ever think that maybe the bully could help them build more self confidence? Like, say, if they were like Velcro <laughs> shoes, they're in like sixth grade, and a bully picks on that, then they might say to themselves, "Well, maybe I should learn how to tie my sneakers, and then I don't have to wear Velcro anymore." Yeah, yeah I mean, right? I, I I think that's a good point. I think you know, when I look back on my life now, um, I can say that I can say that I. I feel like I developed certain mechanisms that are that allow me to handle um, difficult situations, and those those mechanisms were developed because I went through such a time of harassment. But I'll tell you what, um, the the negatives and the the amount of work that I've had to consciously do to sort of get myself out of the gutter because of those messages that I received. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, is it worth something to me? Yeah, but this is my path. You know, I'm, I'm into psychology. I'm into all that. Um, you know, I, I think there were a lot more <laughs> negatives than there were positives. All right. Well, Katie, I, uh, I appreciate you calling in and uh, trying your best to convert Steve. And uh, hopefully, you got, <laughs> hopefully you got the message out there. And uh, thanks again for calling in. And thanks again for calling in, uh, Steve. Appreciate it, guys. And, uh, you know, right. maybe we'll figure this bullying thing out one day. All right. All right night, thanks so much. Take care. Get out of here, you nerds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was going a little uh, little long there, I think. Good debate, though. Like, I want to see them go on a date at, like, the Olive Garden and have that conversation. Yeah, I and kinda, then I felt uh, some sparks coming through the speakers. <laughs> because you, you would normally see her is just blasting the bully, like, hey, you're obviously in the wrong. Bullying's bad. But she kind of was sympathetic to what he said, so. This bully has a sexy voice. Yeah, huh? and, he, and he teaches gym, <laughs> and I just love those shorts. He, I love the point about, uh, what if you're wearing Velcro sneakers in sixth grade? Yeah, I really hope Katie learned how to tie her shoes early because that, yeah, he could have been... Yeah, he might have uh, he might have hit a nerve there. All right, well, we got Christopher Coppola calling in here in a few minutes, but right. I, I I would like to try to get to this uh, Bush-Kanye West thing. Oh, this uh, this might be him here. Uh, thanks for calling into the green room. Is this uh, Christopher? This is Christopher. All right, Christopher, uh, thanks for calling in. This is uh, Christopher Coppola. He uh, has a new show coming out, or it's uh, it's already out. It's on Reels. And it's That's called uh, Digivangelist. Uh, yeah, you... it's the Digivangelist. Okay. Now, yeah. could, now could you uh, describe to us what that show's about? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a funny uh, reality show uh, about um, bringing digital technology to everyday people, taking the the kind of geek out of it, and showing what's out there and how everyday people can uh, use this technology to tell their stories and and uh you know if they want to you know make uh, a film and they're uh, afraid of the whole process they can learn um that the stuff that's out there now is makes it very accessible to them so it's a lot of that and uh, also 
you know, showing uh, different forms of distribution. Uh, we just did a piece uh, in Dallas uh, where they have the uh, the Dallas Cowboys have that huge monitor. Um, Talking yeah. Cowboys, doing... I'm an Eagles fan, Christopher. So uh, I uh, hope you I hope you weren't well, helping them out. Well, I'm not a Dallas. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really. A, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, but I did have a thing for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. You know. Yeah. So. Well. Who, oh yeah. I can I think, agree with that. But it, every red-blooded male does. Now, Christopher, you came from a uh, a very unique background. Of course, you're you're the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, your cousins Sophia Coppola, and your your older brothers. Uh, or you're the older brother of uh, Nicolas Cage. Now, um, did you describe your childhood? I imagine cinema was a part of it early on. Yeah, well, I mean, my father was an educator, and we, I always say we were the Southern Coppolas because we grew up in Long Beach, and we were more, uh, you know, uh, middle class than the Northern Coppolas, which, which would be Francis and, and uh, you know, that family. Though we were, we were very close, um, we, we grew up in the suburbs, you know, so we had this sense of, uh, uh, well, for me, it was a sense of being down to earth. And for my brother, it was a sense of like I want to really rock, so I can I can be you know even more successful than uh, than the northern Coppola. So it worked for him. Uh, it worked for me um, because I never kind of uh, I, mean, I don't like exclusivity. Right. I, I don't like fancy pants. Uh, I like hanging with the people. <laughs> Yeah. All walks of life. So that that worked for me being, you know, coming from the suburbs. Now yes. you describe your older brother had a had a drive early on to kind of be um, Well, it's not my older brother. It's my sorry, older sorry. Brother. Yeah, your younger brother. Now you describe that he had a drive to be super successful early on. As a kid, when did you kind of when did you notice that, oh my god, he's really driven towards cinema and towards film? Well, he wasn't. It wasn't that he was driven towards cinema and film. Like in a lot of ways, I, I was more driven towards cinema because I was studying it. He was more driven of becoming a movie star. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, you know, he wanted to be a famous movie star, and I could tell that he had it at a very young age that he could, uh, you know, capture an audience with uh, his his funny. Uh, you know, uh, singing routines, and uh, you know, at fourth grade, and and things like that. He had he had that. It it wasn't cinema. It was more. I want to be a big actor, and and that's how focused he was, and it worked. Now, Chris, can I ask you? Did you bully Nick as all as a kid growing up? Do you think maybe that that contributed your guys' interaction contributed to him wanting to be a movie star and having the drive to follow through with it? Well, I would say it wasn't bullying. We had a very tough childhood. Um, you know, we didn't have a mother there. My father was around. I had to grow up pretty fast and cook the dinners, and and uh, he was younger than me. And so when someone you know goes nah, 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 over and over and over again, you get clobbered. You know? <laughs> especially, when, especially when you're doing all the cooking and you have to. You know, I'm only two years older, and you have to grow up really fast. So I don't know. You know, maybe. You know, now, did you uh, have again, a... again, that doesn't really concern me with what I do. I mean, we both are t- kind of two different animals, and uh, I'm not concerned. I'm more process-oriented. Uh, you know, I com- combine everything I do, uh, you know, in more of a process. I'm not goal-oriented, and, and uh, he's goal-oriented, and it worked for him, and I'm process-oriented, and it works for me because I'm able to pretty much communicate with people of all walks of life and uh, learn from them, and they learn from me. Now, you say you, you communicate with uh, people of all walks of life. Describe, how does that uh, affect your filmmaking? Do you do you draw from your experiences w- with these people? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, I'm known, I mean, I make, you know, I'm actually doing quite a bit, you know, different stuff now as the older the older I get. But uh, every film I've done um, usually uses unknown people or has been actors that nobody wants to work with anymore. And uh, well, yeah, speaking I like, of I like them because there's no snootiness. You know, we just kind of go at it together. Um, We're and, all available uh, to be in your films, by the way. Now, <laughs> what's that? We fit that profile, so right. uh, if you need, if you oh, need well, to cast any of us, there you have it. <laughs> Now you you speak of uh, some of your films. Now I I I'd never seen this title, but describe to me the movie Creature of the Sunnyside Up Trailer Park. That sounds uh, pretty uh, bizarrely interesting. 
Well, it is. It is. Uh, you know, actually, I, I think you would enjoy it. Um, oh, really? Uh, it is an, it's an anti-racist rubber monster movie. Oh, it's a little bit of, one of those. Uh, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it, ha- it has a message. And again, you know, I, I don't like uh, pretension or exclusivity. I mean, I, I love, you know, art and, and the classics and know it well. But now, I like uh, you, I you, like driving movies, you know. I, I enjoy uh, Attack of the Giant Leeches, you know, as you, well as The Godfather. So you're you're talking about how you're really a man of the people, and uh, you don't like snobbiness and snootiness. Uh, did mm-hmm. you see some of that in some of your other uh, successful family members? Did you did you notice uh, from hanging around with your brother once he became successful that he had kind of changed? Or do you think that it always well, been well, there? Well, I, I don't like really going into there, but I think, you know, it, it's not easy when everybody's kind of kissing your butt day in and day out and wants something from you. You, you kind of uh, move into a shell. You know, it's not easy. And uh, um, I think that's true for a lot of uh, famous people. I just don't look at myself uh, as, you know, I look at myself as an everyday person, and, and I haven't changed, and... and uh, um, I, I enjoy hanging with a with a cop more than I enjoy hanging with a movie star. With I a mean, cop, just, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I like average guys, but they make me nervous. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like cops too, but yeah, I guess it depends. Is it a female movie star? Well, or is it a male way, movie I, star? I've been, in a, I've been in a room with twelve killers at a prison because to direct a lot of. Uh, a lot of America's Most Wanted, and I and I kind of dug talking to them about you know uh, life and why they did what they did, and uh, there was a kind of poetry to where they were going. And then I've been in a room with uh, you know twelve very famous people, and and uh, they seem more like killers to me. So it's it's that kind of thing. <laughs> that you know? makes a lot of sense. I got to take the Ocean's Eleven crew over the killers, but uh, they they do have yeah. good stories. Well, the old the old Ocean's Eleven. I could care less about the new one. <laughs> now, Frank you, uh, Sinatra, Sammy Davis. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta go with those guys. In your in when you were younger and you were first starting out in film, did you want to be a movie star? Did you ever have that drive? I mean, I'd imagine starting out, you you maybe you wanted to be a big commercial star and you. You found success elsewhere, or found a different. Well, fit. well, well, no. I, I really just like the process. I love creating. I love making little movies. I, I used to do a thing called the Seance uh, to entertain the neighborhood kids, and my brother would hide in the closet and be the final scare. You know, jump out and scare everybody. <laughs> I was more that guy, like a showman, and and uh, you know, puppet shows, and and you know, I did a lot of Super 8 films with my brother. Uh, and then I started writing music and doing an opera, and it was more, it was more, you know, really into uh, creating things. I was never thinking about uh, really becoming famous from it. I just really enjoyed uh, creating things. And, you know, actually, uh, it, was, it was later going to an art school, because um, I taught music and theater at the San Francisco Art Institute, and that's how I was able to, to get my, you know, art degree in, in film. It was like a trade-off. Now, but so, uh, so, I, I, I just, it was, you know, I was kind of a bohemian, you know, and, uh, you know, drinking my espresso, smoking a cigar, wearing slippers, walking around <laughs> and, and that kind of guy and really could care less about fame. And somebody saw some of my art movies, uh, an agent, actually an agent that was representing my brother at the time said, Hey, you know, we, we like what you're doing. You ought to give it a shot. Come on out there. Cause they, you know, it looks like in Hollywood they could use some, uh, interesting visuals and that kind of sense and you know obviously they were thinking of the the whole coppola tie-in which you know right. not na- now do you naive, think overall naive enough to think that that wasn't being uh, thought about but now over ahead. overall has the coppola name gift or a curse i would say it's both you know um i i, I say it, it opens doors you know Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was young and going into it, I really had nothing, you know, that I was bringing through the door uh, that was that important to me that I would want to deal with, uh, you know, with the curse of it. You know, I, 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 you know, I dealt enough with the curse of it through some of the uh, films that I wish I'd never made, like yeah. Deadfall that had my brother in it and okay. stuff like that. But. Uh, but now that I'm older, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I've been doing a lot of charity and, and a lot of, po- uh, you know, Project Accessible Hollywood, which is my charity that digitally empowers people to tell their stories all around the world. It's been very successful, and um, I enjoy what people 
you know, say after they participate, you know, it meant a lot to them. And it, sure. You know, so you, you see it's kind of so a double-edged. What I'm saying is when I call and my name opens a door and I get a call back to discuss ideas, yeah, that is good. I like that. But okay. earlier on, you know, because my name got me uh, into an interview and I got a gig, then you get judged harder because right. of it. Right, because they're like... You know, that, that, wasn't, that, that wasn't as cool. Okay, know? well, we actually got a... Uh, speaking of calls, we actually got a caller right now. Uh, caller, yeah. you're in the green room. Hey, how's it going? Oh, uh, good. Uh, hey. what, what's your name and uh, where are you calling from? Uh, this is uh, Craven uh, Moorhead. I'm actually uh, calling from uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, I've got a question for your guest. It's actually a two-part question. Um, on my, question is, uh, my question is, uh, what was it like to um, work with uh, John Cusack and uh, John Malkovich in uh, Con Air, and um, also at the end of uh, uh, the end of the movie National Treasure, were you allowed to keep the uh, treasures at the end? And I'll uh, take your uh, comments off the end. Thanks. Well, you know, I guess because my voice, you, you think I'm Nicolas Cage, but I'm not. Oh, I'm yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, sorry about that. But, we but don't, that's okay. That's we don't okay. have a phone screener. <laughs> no, that's okay. But, uh, but I mean, I can tell you uh, what my brother uh, liked about those films. Sure, yeah. Uh, Did he get to keep the treasure is the big question. <laughs> well, first of all, Con Air, it was like Hot Wheels, you know. We right. both liked Hot Wheels and when we were kids, and... It was kind of cool, and the orange track, and so the whole Con Air thing was like getting in there and, and celebrating our love of Hot Wheels, the coolness of it. Uh, National Treasure, no, there's no treasure, and actually, uh, uh, I'm not a, personally not a big fan of those movies because, you know, sure. I'm really into uh, uh, a lot of how, what that means in National Treasure and how this country was founded on, um, you know, Masonic principles and the money isn't used for that and buying a big house or cars. It's used for a, a greater concept. So, you know, uh, I like that he didn't get the money because you're not supposed <laughs> to get the money. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, Christopher, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, where can people check you out? Where should I send people to uh, get more Chris Coppola? Well, I mean, right now, if you're interested in seeing what I do, you can go to the Reels channel, R-E-E-L-Z channel you can go to www.reelschannel.com or you can go to christophercopola.com and uh on saturday and sunday you can see the digivangelist uh it's a it's a fun reality show and and uh i get into people's faces to get the information and 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 uh i give them equipment to to tell their stories i think they would enjoy it okay well uh make sure you check that out digivangelist saturday and sunday on uh, channel reels there and I uh, appreciate the time, Chris. Take care. All right, you too. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. He's giving the digital technology to people who don't know. He's giving it to bullies. He's teaching them how to film people. That was a, that was a great question. You came full circle. Did you ever bully? Because yeah. then, then that would be a great example of, oh, my God. Yeah, sure, these kids are being tortured, but look, it lit a flame underneath them, and they became Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but with Nick Cage, yeah. it's a double-edged sword because it's like, hey, you bullied him, so now he's a big movie star, but he's also running around <laughs> in movies wearing a wizard hat and casting spells. We yeah. don't know if he actually <laughs> believes that he's a wizard now. So Right, and he's uh, insanely bankrupt. And But I will say The Rock is still one of my favorite action movies of all time. Con Air, I saw the other day, doesn't hold up as well. The Rock is good, <laughs> But man. The Rock is great. All right, well, we're going to rock it out here. We got. Uh, I, I want to get to this... Uh, <laughs> It's a great transition. Nice I want to get to this Bush on Kanye. So this is, of course, Kanye called out George Bush. He doesn't like black people, blah, blah, blah. Then I guess he came on later or, you know, he came on later on the Today Show and kind of apologized. So we're picking up from that. And then Matt Lauer is playing this apology for Bush. And you get to hear <laughs> George Bush's reaction to Kanye West's apology. I would tell George Bush in my moment of frustration I didn't have the grounds to call him a racist, but I believe that in a situation of high emotion like that, we as human beings... I love when people explain, whenever people apologize, they point out the fact that they're a human being. Look, all right, I'm doing all I can, but I'm just a human right. being, man. All we're right, all in the same phylum, all right? We're all humans, okay? We make mistakes. I'm a human being. Yeah, at we get it. At least always choose the right words. And that's why I'm here. He seems to have regret. What's your reaction? To I, that? I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> he appreciates that. Like it was really. <laughs> wow. wow. I got some street cred. Oh my goodness. I um, 
It wasn't just Conway, Kanye West. That's my favorite part of the whole thing <laughs> yeah, is Conway. During Katrina, I, I, I cited him as an example. I cited others as an right. example as well. And, um, you know, I appreciate that. But I, you called his <laughs> comment a low point. And, and one of the things you and I have spoken That's, about. I, I want to make sure we don't miss this. A low point. And, and one of the, he described a low point in his presidency. Kanye West saying George Bush doesn't like black people. Meanwhile, uh, why not say... The events of Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina themselves, or, <laughs> yeah. or I don't know, maybe perhaps 9/11 could have been a low point. Yeah. I mean, there's so many low points to choose from that the fact that a, a popular rapper called you out that that should be that should be a high point. It was a shout out. If I were gonna have a high a, a low point fantasy draft, and you can have a number one round pick, I'm not taking Kanye West. Call no. Me out. Yeah. I mean, it's entertaining. Okay, fine. But a low point. I have spoken about a lot over our conversations over these past couple of weeks is your faith. Does your faith allow you to forgive Kanye West? Oh, absolutely. Oh, It'd be oh. funny if he was like, hell no, he's going to burn in hell. I love how I'm going to learn about Christianity. <laughs> We've been waiting on this one for a while. Look, I like look, how Matt Lauer kind of forces him to right, accept he, his Right, he apology. totally teed he that up. He doesn't say, like, so do you accept that? He's like, so will your faith allow you to... Yeah, yeah. kind of backs him in the corner. Yeah. Oh, you don't forgive? Oh, I thought you followed Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Aha, I got you, George Bush. This is your faith. Does your faith allow you to forgive Kanye West? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm ready for that and, question. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a hater. I didn't hate <laughs> now he's talking yes, like Kanye. Yes. That is the, that is the coolest thing a president's ever said. That, that hurt. And, uh, Wes, but I was, talking about an, I was talking about an environment in which people were willing to say things that, that hurt. And, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, you get your feelings hurt by Kanye West. You believe in equality of race. Imagine, yeah, imagine get your, oh, Kanye West, hey, why not just come out and go, hey, look, I'm the president. Okay, yeah, sure, he's a citizen, he's entitled to his opinion, but I got other things to deal with. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about Kanye West's opinion. Yeah, I highly doubt he was walking around the White House that night and everybody was like, hey, what's up with George? You're like, oh, you didn't see Kanye, his favorite artist, called him out. <laughs> this is a single tear rolling yeah. down. Hey, in George, the how about we go work on your ranch? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, what a show! Well, unfortunately, we got to wrap things up here. Uh, Logan, you wanna you wanna do that by giving us a haiku? Let's do it. <laughs> Bullying is cool. Did you vandal? Did you on reels? <laughs> Cowabunga, folks. All right, Deep. and uh, Mark, where can uh, where can people check you out? I will be at the world famous comedy store in La Jolla this weekend. So if you're down San Diego way, Friday and Saturday shows, and as always, I'm on www.schmoesno.com. All right, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the program. We do it live every Thursday, eight o'clock on LA Talk Radio. Listening to the Green Room, don't forget to check out SeanTGreen.com and click the iTunes link to subscribe today. Also, check me out at DocumentaryLabel.com.